This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High-quality information. Because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com All right, folks, very excited to be back here, joined by Janet Weiss, former president of BP Alaska. How you doing, Janet? I'm doing well. Thanks, Jeff. We had a few glitches, I'm sorry to say, but we're good now. So. We're good. Um, ha- happy you're here. Now, after the Hillcorp BP merger happened, you retired, right? I retired July 1st. So a lot of folks in Alaska, they retire and they go to Arizona or California, wherever, but you're, you're staying, right? Love Alaska. Alaska's home. So you were... How long were you head of VP Alaska? Seven? Seven and a half years. Stepped into the role February 2013. And you started off as like an uh, engineer. Is that kind of, is that right? I did. I started off in 1986 up here in Alaska as an engineer, as a process engineer. Wow. So from 86 to what, 2003, you be, that's when you became the, or I guess 2013. 2013, right. Now, there were, there were eight years that I left Alaska, but... Uh, Where'd you went, go? Went one year London and seven years Houston. London's like the, the mothership, right? Mothership. How was that? That was, um, that was fabulous to, to kind of um, really travel the world. We knew we were there only for one year. Kids were in junior high. My husband took a leave of absence, and we visited different uh, European countries every month. On the well, weekends. That's, that's a great thing about Europe is like, you know, you can just get in a plane and your Italy is a little, a couple hours, Perfect. Latvia, Germany. Absolutely. I had a, a friend years ago I met, he was like a J1, you know, these students who come for the summers. Yes. And, and uh, he was from Ukraine and he picked, um, he picked Nebraska because he's like, uh, it's a pretty central location. Yeah. You know, I can go check out LA and New York and Miami, and he, then he realized I'm kind of stuck in Nebraska for six yeah, months. A little different, yeah. So now, now the BP Hillcorp merger is like that's done now. That was big news. I mean, that, that was that was huge news. So yeah, um, Hillcorp took over BP Alaska. They are operating. There's still one little bit to do, and that's the um, TAPS Trans Alaska Pipeline System. Mm-hmm. One more approval to get there, but that's separate from the upstream deal. The upstream deal is done. Now, one of the stories when this was first announced, I kind of reported on because somebody had told me he should look into this. Now, there's still, at some point, hopefully it's many, many, many years away, but when it's all done, they have to dismantle the, the pipeline, right? Right. And and my understanding is BP's still, that's their responsibility, I, I guess? Is that Correct. So that's, that'd be a big one, huh? Hopefully that's, that's not for many decades. That's, uh, that's absolutely the hope that it's not for many, many decades. So... There was like talk for a long time about kind of the beep where people weren't sure and then it got announced. What was the I mean, catalyst or the kind of reason they decided to to go to you know, sell the Hillcorp and move out? Well, um, what had happened is Big BP had acquired some assets in the lower 48, a big deal. And they made a promise to the market that they would um, divest um, $10 billion in assets. 
And um, Hillcorp stepped forward and said, we're interested in Alaska. And Hillcorp had been here for a long time doing Cook Inlet, right? And That's right. They, they came to the state in, in 2011 and deepened in 2012 in the Cook Inlet and then entered the North Slope in uh, 2014. So one of the things I've, I've read about is um, Hillcorp uh, with Milne Point. That was a big BP project. They've, um, my understanding is they've increased the production and then the, the costs have kind of gone down. Absolutely. When the acquisition occurred in 2014, it was really fun to watch Hillcorp get after it. And it was mid-2015 and they had already reduced the cost significantly. And now, I mean, when they took over, Milne Point produced about 18,000 barrels a day and they're way over 30,000 now, way over 33,000. So they've almost doubled the production at Milne Point um, in that short of time and reduced costs. So the big hope is they do that to Prudhoe Bay. Prudhoe Bay has some great opportunities, Jeff. So when Prudhoe was discovered, I guess, 60s, right? I mean, and then they built the pipeline and all that. Mm-hmm. There was there was talk about 20 years, 30 years, right? That's right. And now we're here 40 plus years. Um, for folks who don't know, and I'm kind of one of them, I know there's a lot of oil there, but at the time it was one of the biggest, besides, I guess, the Middle East, right? It was just a major. It's an absolute world-class oil field. And it was discovered in 1968. And at the start, really thought that there was only 9.6 billion barrels, only 9.6 billion barrels to, to recover out of Prudhoe Bay. And uh, certainly we recovered well over 13 billion at this point. They thought it would only go for 30 years. And we celebrated 40th um, anniversary in 2017. But um, out of the wells that are there, there is a billion barrels that still to get. But if you invest in Prudhoe Bay and you have a competitive environment to invest, there could be another billion. And even beyond that, there's another billion that BP identified par- projects that can be competitive. Can you imagine? Mm. So one billion, two billion, or even possibly three billion. So so what Hillcorp did with Millennium Point, is that something you think could translate over in, into the Prudhoe Bay unit? I that's, That is the big hope. Um, my passion, my vision, um, at, there as, as president was 40 more for Prudhoe Bay, that Prudhoe Bay would be at midlife. That was like the, the time 40 years and 40 more was the... Exactly. I remember that. And um, it really was birthed at, at uh, a time when oil price was mid-40s, uh-huh. and we did our reserves calculation at the end of, the end of that year, and I saw, oh my goodness, Prudhoe only has a little over a decade if we don't change our cost change how competitive it is and can we get 40 more so it was a rallying cry for the for the BP team they figured out the projects that it would take to to get another billion barrels and the cost savings we'd need to get to get the those billions of barrels and 40 more and what's super important Jeff is you really have to have Prudhoe flowing down taps and Kaparic flowing down taps so that all these new projects can also flow down taps. So that's what I was going to ask. With all these new Repsol and um, what's the big Repsol field? Uh, well, at Pika um, with the oil search mm-hmm. um, it, it, as operator now and Willow, which Willow, is Cono- yeah. Conoco's. Um, so, so just to put... Na- Nanashuk, I think it was. It's the play formation is the Nanashuk. Nanashuk, yeah. So there's Repsol and then oil search took over, but now all mm-hmm. these other things happening... 
I know, you know, taps used to be 2 million barrels at the peak back, back in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And now it's about half, half a million barrels right. a day. So wh- where do you think the potential is in the next, I don't know, five or 10 years, if things go, and I want to talk a little bit more about this ballot measure right. and, and other factors that could contribute to, you know, these happening or not happening. We are at a crossroads, really. The, the, the future could be a decline um, that, that is exacerbated, you know, um, something that takes us really downhill that's, that returns us to more of a 6 or 7% decline. We can incline. Huh. We could actually incline and come off of the, the, the 500,000 barrels a day. If everything really went forward um, as we would hope, you could see something that could be north of 700,000 barrels a day flowing down taps again. So one of the things I wanted to chat about was uh, there's this ballot measure now, and we're not, these aren't new things. We, we had yeah. the SB 21, then there was the repeal effort, then there was uh, the stand for salmon, which would have impacted the oil industry. Um, you know, I've, I've been, I first ran for office in 2012, and I was kind of a nobody, didn't know much. But what I did know was I said, it seems like we keep changing this oil tax system every five or 10 years, sometimes even less than that. Um, talk a little bit about kind of, so if you're, you're the president, you were the president of BP. I mean, you're the person in the room with these folks and you're looking and we hear all these things. Some people say it doesn't matter. And some people say it matters a lot, but when it comes down to it, when you drill a well, I mean, it takes what, five to 10 years to produce oil, right? Is that about right? Or Well, it depends on where you're drilling or where that project actually occurs. So talking about ballot measure one, it is absolutely important to attract capital here that should keep things competitive. It's about being competitive. The North Slope is far from being done. There is a whole lot more good that we can do um, with the incredible uh, oil fields that are up on the North Slope. And if you don't mind, if you don't mind, Jeff, I'd like to kind of go back to um, what the industry has meant to the state back in the late 60s. Uh-huh. We had various Alaska Native leaders that testified in, in field hearings for, for Congress that the lifespan in rural Alaska was only 34 years, the average lifespan, 34 years. I went on a missions trip, and um, it was about 2011, and the lifespan in Burkina Faso, which was the poorest country on the planet, was 35 yeah, years. West, West Africa, yeah. 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 Now, um, given the infrastructure and all that has, has, has been brought, we've really helped improve the quality and quantity of life in Alaska, and there's much more to do. There's still uh, um, several... Well, there's 30 towns that are still on honeypots. There's more to do in Alaska, and there's more good that we can do with resource development. We're not in harvest mode. Prudhoe is not in harvest mode. As we were talking about, um, harvest mode is when you don't drill, you don't build any facilities, um, you just get what you can out of the field without putting more capital in it. Prudhoe, the team at BP, identified a billion barrels of development opportunity. And that's even before Hillcorp steps in. Can you imagine being Hillcorp and and Hillcorp pulling off the deal of the century in 2020, this incredibly challenging time when oil price dives, Uh COVID hits, and all these investors think Hillcorp can't do it. They pull it off. And then to have something like the ballot measure one passing that takes every cent of your profit so you can't reinvest in a field like Prudhoe Bay at these kind of prices. 
their magic is such that they come in, reduce cost, and invest and invest and invest. They plan to get that additional billion barrels if they can attract capital. So what, I, what I've said for a long time is Alaska definitely, on some level, not, not as bad as you know, maybe some countries in, in Africa, but we have the resource curse where we have these great vast resources. Uh, and, you know, I think the first lease sale was $900 million, mm-hmm. and the b- budget was $100 million. So the money poured in. And then in the 80s, we saw, you know, you can, anybody can read about all the things in the 80s that happened with the money. Um, so we have this great resource that has done wonders for the state. I mean, built the state. Um, BP, Conoco, X, I mean, all the things they've done, even outside of the taxes. I mean, just the philanthropy and things. Um, but we just seem to, especially since, I guess, ACES, that was the big one. It just seems to, every couple of years, we, we have these big conversations about changing it. We do change it. Then there's ballot initiatives. I mean, th- th- to me, those things, at least, they, they provide some level of uncertainty. Where, I, mean, I guess, we have political stability in the sense that, you know, there's not going to be some dictator take over and take all your money. But, you know, we have a n- different problem where these things can change at any given year. Is that kind of accurate? Am I- You're spot on, Jeff. Um, instability. You don't know the rules of the game makes it much tougher to, to make the big investments that are needed, um, especially when you're talking about the big, exciting new developments like Willow and Pika. I was uh, talking to, a, actually, my friend used to work at BP for a long time, and he was saying that, uh, this is years ago, but he was kind of saying he, he loved, this is actually during the whole ACES talk, and everybody was going to Norway, remember that, and the, Norway? And he was saying, you know, I, I just love Norway. It's the best kind of place. And I said, well, don't they have higher taxes and he goes oh they do it's a little higher and he says he says but you know what you're going to get it doesn't change and we feel like they're partners um and i don't don't forget that it kind of struck me as you know they've been the same way they don't they don't change the rules and you kind of know what you're going to get that is the difference there is something about norway embracing the industry and wanting it to succeed norway um not that long ago actually did change the rules such that when companies aren't making money they're not taxing those companies. Huh. Uh, where ballot measure one, $40 a barrel or the current prices, um, you, you, you take all profits and then some. So we're at, we're at a strange time where the budget, the money is gone, all the savings are gone. You know, a lot of folks want the dividend. A lot of folks want projects or programs for spending. So we're at this weird time where I think some people see the answer as, oh, we'll just make the oil companies pay for it. But, you know, I, I try to keep up on this stuff and, Sometimes it seems to me, maybe you could talk a little bit about this. They talk about the production tax, which is one thing to focus on. But we also have, there's a royalty, right? And there's property taxes and there's other tax, there's federal taxes, right? So I guess, can you kind of break it down of, of, of what Alaska's system is compared to other places you've worked or you've seen with, when it comes to our more complicated system with, you know, the royalties and the other factors of, of taxation? Oh, well, um, Alaska has four types of take, really, for the, for the industry. Property tax, so um, every eighth barrel goes to the state. You've got your production taxes. Um, I'm sorry, royalty, where every one-eighth barrel goes mm-hmm. to the state. Then you have your production taxes. Then you have your property taxes. And then there is a state income tax. So royalty, production, property, income tax. Um, when you take a look at all of those taxes together, uh, um, and you take a look at how much the state um, takes in. Um, boy, since 2007, the state takes more than the producers um, take 
after all costs at all prices, all years, whether you're talking gross, net, whatever. So the, the state has has really received $156 billion of, of take over um, these 40-plus years um, from the industry, and rightly so. It has, that's a production tax, or that's all of the... That's all taxes together. Okay. And since uh, SB 21 passed, um, really since 2014, out of all of those types of take, um, uh, there has been um, really... $9.1 billion that have been paid into the state with all four of those types of take. So this is obviously a much more difficult question that I think everybody always kind of maybe wonders is, is, is there a way to, to, to do this thing where it's not so convoluted and it's not, doesn't change every two or three or four or five years. And is, is there, I mean, maybe there's not because they, we elect new folks every couple of years, but and the new governor too, every four years or eight years. Um, I mean, is there, is, it's a big one, but. It, it's a big one. Um, and there, um, is there a way to do it? I don't have the silver bullet. I'm sorry, Jeff. But there does, um, there probably needs to be um, another conversation to really bring back in the importance of staying competitive and, and getting capital to Alaska. Alaska, we, we do tend to, to focus a lot on our budget the pie, who gets what. And we forget at times we're a part of this big world and Alaska opportunities are just one set in, in this mm-hmm. massive and, global opportunity set. And we hear that a lot. And I think talking to you is you're one of the, probably the best people to ask. I mean, you have folks, I guess, in London or if it's Conoco, they're probably in Houston. I mean, they're looking at these projects all over the world. And we hear that and some people dismiss it as, oh, they're not going anywhere. Uh, they're making hand over fist money. What really, I mean, what really truly happens in these? Yeah. I mean, it's not personal, right? It's not, it's just no, looking at. No, it's not personal at all, Jeff. And we were sold, BP Alaska was sold by BP to pay for a more competitive opportunity in the lower 48. That's walking away because of the nature of the cost and how much money a dollar invested here gets. Um, BP saw that you can make more money elsewhere and sold BP Alaska to Hillcorp. So we're walking with our feet. Prudhoe Bay, world-class reservoir. It costs a lot to produce a barrel. How could it not? You're, we, they, they now, Hillcorp, is um, operating one of the world's largest gas plants and producing and handling millions of barrels of water a day. We're talking a 40-year-old field that you're producing all kinds of gas and water along with that bit of oil that used to be 1.8 million barrels. Now you're talking 270,000 barrels a day with t- it, it, just 1,600 miles of, of pipeline everywhere, 800 miles of pipeline to ship it. You're thousands of miles from market. You've got one of the highest transportation costs in in the planet. So not only a high producing cost, a high transportation cost. So, so even cost. when it gets to Valdez, it still goes on the, goes on the ships. It goes on the ships and goes elsewhere. So, so when you're working in a place like Texas or like where I'm from, New Mexico originally, um, there's country roads, right? It's kind of put up a well and you're a lot closer to um, the infrastructure needed to, to tra- right. transport the, the resource. Right. It's a dollar a barrel or so versus $10 a barrel. 
um, that that Alaska tends to pay in transportation costs. So why do you think the, I mean, Robin Brenner, for example, he's running the belt, he's running the kind of yes on one. Um, I did a podcast with him actually last, mm-hmm. last, I think it was last year. And we had a really good, smart guy, mm-hmm. hard to, way smarter than me on this stuff, you know, but we had a long conversation. Um, I guess, what, what do you feel his motivation and other folks who are supporting the ballot? Do they really just feel, hey, we're getting screwed here and we got to fix it? Or do they, because I think part of his thing is he feels the legislature didn't do what he wanted them to do or, or anything, I guess, in the last couple of years. So I guess maybe, what do you, what do you think about their, the other side and their, no, it's a it's a great question. This is great because now you're you're kind of off leash here. You know, you're. <laughs> well, I it's it you know far be it from me to judge somebody else's motivations for what for why they're doing what they're doing. What I really care about is the people of Alaska have a very important decision to make. Um, it, very very important decision, and I want them to make it on the facts. Fact number one: Oh boy, has the oil industry um, paid? Uh, our taxes. And I, I even misspoke the number, Jeff. The number that we have paid since, um, since uh, SB 21 was put into to place is $19.1 billion. Royalty, production tax, property, income tax, $4.6 billion in production tax alone since 2014. We have paid. It cost a lot to produce a Prudhoe Bay barrel. It is not the the most profitable uh, field on the planet. Far from it. Far, far from it. Hillcorp is taking over. They've got the keys. Can't we let them do their thing instead of take every dime and dollar that they make at these kind of prices? And 2020 has been way too hard on Alaskans to, to throw something like this that hasn't been studied, looked at, deeply understood. Um, we really need to understand the flow of money and what happens competitively. Well, and this has been my, for a long time, I, I actually hate the ballot initiative process. I think, I wish we'd, we'd, we'd raise the threshold to 60% um, because you're taking very complex matters uh, and, and reducing them to a yes or no. And, you know, whether it's the marijuana thing that barely passed or whether it's the stand for salmon or the SB. 21 repeal, I mean, marijuana is a separate thing, but it's just another example of there's always these initiatives that get thrust upon us. It seems like every year there's now there's this election initiative. It's another one. So just as another la- layer of complexity for the voters to kind of, and really, I mean, I, I know most people, I doubt most people read the whole thing or even begin to go into the depths of the language. You know, it's hundred, couple hundred words, but then there's a lot more beyond that. And you're taking, um, you know, very complex tax matters at the legislature. We elect folks to, to, to do, but you know, we look at the past and that, that kind of, that's all over the place too. So I, I worry, but I just wish we could get it figured out because. But it is great to, to be able in the legislative process to, to be able to bring in experts to, to forecast scenarios. Uh, you take a look at uh, SB 21, there were 50 hearings and there were eight revisions. Mm-hmm. ACEs, 30 hearings and eight revisions. This one, you know, zero hearings. Where are the forecasts? Where are the experts? Well, one of the things, and, I, and I've said this and I've heard this and you look at the numbers, but um, it's a, kind of ironic that, that at the low oil prices, now tell me if I'm wrong here, but my understanding is that low oil prices, um, the state actually got more money under SB 21 than if ACEs, because ACEs, it pinged up at the high rates, the progressivity latched up at the high, and the, I, 
I guess they didn't see that coming, the $140 oil. And everybody was like, oh my God, that was, so were were you, where were you in 09? Okay. So in 09, I was in Houston. And so when I came back, I moved back in 2010 and uh, really dove into what was going on. It was a, oh my goodness, look at this. Out of the 13 oil and gas producing states, 12 of them are inclining, only one's declining, and that's Alaska. So what, 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 were, what were you thinking and other folks? I mean, when, when the thing ratcheted up to 130, 140 um, under ACEs, I mean, this huge windfall, most of it went to the state. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I could just imagine, what was the conversation? It must have been, It's like winning the lottery and then losing all of it. Yes. Uh, um, the funds were not flowing for, for development um, to, to Alaska. And projects were being... Uh, and kind of figured out with some of the capital credits, but uh, the big decisions to invest, they needed to understand, hey, who's getting what money to understand the competitive landscape. Therefore, it was a, it was a, it was a good thing when SB 21 um, mm-hmm. passed. I, I loved that day, SB 21 passed. I got to call the president of ConocoPhillips and say, as operator of Prudhoe Bay, we're adding two more rigs. That was a good day. Wow, so that was four, four, well, 14, right? Well, that was 2013. 13, yeah. So I was kind of new in the job, and uh, so, uh, but we added them um, in, in 2013. So something else I wanted to ask you about, and I, mm-hmm. I kind of asked Damien this from mm-hmm. BP when we did the podcast. Now, you and, and BP and Exxon, you're all competitors, but you're also all owners of the pipeline, so you're kind of, um, I guess, how do those, I mean, how do those conversations go? Is it sometimes you're, one, one, one setting you're comp- competing maybe on something, another setting you're collaborating. I mean, that must have been, did it ever get awkward or? Oh, you know, through, through the decades, it was a more um, awkward competitive landscape than, than it has been for a um, decade or so. Now I think th- the landscape really changed in, in uh, 2000, really with the, the BP acquisition of ARCO and then ARCO mm-hmm. had to spin off the, the Alaska assets that, that changed things. But, uh, um, really in, in Alaska, you see a lot more collaboration. Um, the fields here are important to all the companies and they want, uh, those that are operating to be successful so that everybody wins. Where you see more competition, it's more in exploration and acreage and leasing leases mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And, and BP hasn't done that in Alaska for a long time. So after uh, ACES and, and um, there was a period of time where, you know, uh, Repsol and Eni and eventually Oil Search and Hillcore and all these companies, some of them are pretty big, Eni and Repsol, but they aren't nearly as big as, you know, BP or Conoco. Um, and that was a whole different ball game from the last four, previous kind of 40 years. So what was, what was that like? Oh, it's you know it's uh it's an interesting thing and a good thing to to see new players come in and s- some of those players are actually quite big. Um, Repsol can be a pretty formidable. They're, yeah, they're pretty big. They're, pr- they're pretty big, but not they 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 were new to Alaska in essence. So my understanding with them is they were they were doing pretty good. They found that big find and then mm-hmm. they had that uh, YPF deal. Uh, I think in, it was Argentina, it was South America. They got nationalized and then there was the oil price crash and they had that talisman kind of anyways, they had a whole bunch of things happening at once. And then, but they're still involved 49%, I think, right. In the, the deal with oil search. Um, at, I believe that, um, I believe they still are. I'm, I'm I think cannot. they're still, yeah, they're going to little minority deal there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, yeah, and it's an exciting that that field is is very very exciting. And let's not forget Armstrong's role oh, and yeah. all of that. Yeah. I'm uh, super proud of what they they took leases that um, BP sold to them in uh, 2001, and they discovered things that the big guys missed. I got to get the Bill Armstrong podcast. That's, yeah, that you do. I'm, I'm, you, that one. Uh, that one I'm gonna you know watch eating my popcorn. Yeah, it'd be a fun good. one. Yeah. Um, so in all your years of being a BP, but the last seven years of being the president, maybe what's what's one of the uh, something stick to your mind? One of the kind of craziest days at work, or one of the kind of <laughs> craziest stories you ever had to deal with? Oh, craziest stories. Or just maybe not crazy, but just something that kind of sticks out is like, wow, this is I'm doing this now. Oh, you know, um, it it was not an easy time. Let's put it that it, it it was the time of my life, but it was not an easy time, and. Uh, uh, selling the company was probably one of those days that would go to the top of the list when I had to um, uh, announce to to our employees um, that um, BP had, had decided to to sell BP Alaska. So and you, I mean, you live here. You you knew a lot of these folks and a long time, a long long time. And what uh, what gave me a lot more um, confidence in the future was that Hillcorp the company that, that uh-huh. BP Alaska was sold to. And they've got a great track record of investing and was, changing things and bringing in jobs and more oil down taps. So the whole 40 more, really, BP Alaska needed to go to a company that was ready to invest. So I know some folks have stayed, some retired, mm-hmm. some, my friend Megan Baldino, she went to Houston, right? My, mm-hmm. You know Megan. My, oh, I love Megan. And then Damien, he's in, he moved. And he's Denver. Denver. But a lot of folks have do you have the breakdown, I guess, I mean, how many people have stayed? Or is I don't. It? I, I don't have I the guess breakdown. Once, once, once I do have a- the breakdown of, um, you know, there were about 750 folks that went over to Hillcorp. There were maybe 150 people went elsewhere in BP. Mm-hmm. What was July 2nd like? I mean, you woke up on July 2nd. Bizarre. You're like, uh, Bizarre. And I must admit, Jeff, I, I did have a mimosa that morning. Oh, good. Good I for did. you. Yes, sir. I mean, I, like I said, we have a whole bunch of white claws in here. I'm happy to <laughs> serve you up one. Um, so what was I going to ask you about there? There was, uh, there was, oh, that table. So when I did yes. the, the, I got to ask you about this. So when I did the podcast with Damien, who was the vice president of commercial venture, is that right? He, yes, he was. He was great. <laughs> Love that guy. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did it at the BP building over there on the top, I guess, top floor or one of the, and there was this table, which I just couldn't, I got a picture of it. It was the most incredible table I've ever, it was a wood table. And now this is has a connection to you. Now, now I didn't realize this at first, but you built this table or I, you, I did with my daughter, my husband, uh, and a few friends. And, and for the listeners, I, it's when I say nice table, I'm talking about something out of a movie. I mean, it's wood kind of a very nice finish. So it's uh, made out of Matanuska birch, just this beautiful, beautiful birch. Um, and it's an epoxy resin table. And one of the pieces of the wood was even in the shape of the Prudhoe Bay Reservoir. And it's a 16-foot by 6-foot boardroom table. It's been some pretty high-level meetings at that table, huh? <laughs> it, was, it was really, Jeff, it was symbolic. We put that table in place uh, at the very end of February um, in, uh, what, what would that have been, in, in 20, uh, t- uh, yeah, 2019. And uh, it was oh, so a, it was a pretty it was it pretty was, new. It was it was very new, and it was about our voices all coming together to really figure out forty more. So did you, did you just 
decide to build this thing or do you I have know. a business or how did that? So, cause I couldn't begin for the life of me to be able to do something like that. My, um, my daughter had gotten in, she, who's a, who's an artist, um, and a motion media producer. Um, she had gotten into dabbling in, uh, resin art on oh, the side. She's the one who does stuff for like Coke and stuff. Yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So I know somebody who works with her. She's, Oh my God, her stuff. That's, oh yeah, that's her. That's her. She does all these graphics. She's amazing. She's Just amazing. That, I, I think so. I'm super proud of her. Oh yeah, I forgot that was your dog. <laughs> yeah. So she always needs an art outlet, you know, she's got a, a right now, our, her daughter, two and a half years old, my granddaughter. So at night, you know, we would, we would make tables. It was, a, we made maybe four small tables and I told her, I really want to make a boardroom table for, for BP. And she said, now's the time, mom, let's go. And we uh, contacted a friend of ours who had a bigger shop because that's the size we couldn't do in our garage, a 16 by 6 foot table. So we used his shop and, and his expertise and his tools. He was fantastic. Psycho weld, Welding um, built the, the frame for us. How long did it take to, to make it? it uh, we started the day after Christmas and we installed it the end of February. Oh, wow. Um, and so all of my, you know, weekend time and a lot of my evening time was spent on that table. So is it still in the building there? So the building is now, um, you know, Hillcorp. Here's a question. The Hillcorp was a, that, that's, the, that's the sweetener. We want the table as to close the deal. Well, in the, in the actual agreement, um, we specified the table is BP's. And wow. so it was a gift to BP's. So um, it was shipped down to Houston. And I um, went down there with my husband, and we put it together the day that Hurricane Laura was about oh, to wow. hit. So we hightailed it out of there as soon as we, we got so that So how did they even together. get that thing apart? I mean, it's in pieces? Or? Yeah, it's in, the, the top is in five pieces. I'm thinking you need like a, a crane out the window or something. Uh, we, we were able to take it down in that awesome elevator in that building. It's a super big so, elevator. So now I have to ask, this, was this ever a, a point of contention or or a uh, brought up by the Hillcorp folks because if I was the Hillcorp people I'd say look we, we want the table uh, well um it's a good it's a good table I don't think it was a point of contention um at all but uh, the wrong word I guess I guess a, po a point of interest <laughs> so what we ended up doing though is we took a cross-section of the pipeline um and made Jeff Hildebrand the owner of Hillcorp mm -hmm. A, a piece of art inside of it with a map of Prudhoe Bay and uh, resin layers that with the facilities and the pipelines and, and the whole bit because he loves old maps and, and loves oil field things. So that was, that was fun to give to him. Good, good compromise. Yeah. So what's your, uh, you're here, your, your, your family's here. You're just, what are you, what are you up? Just what am I doing up podcasts to? now, I, having mimosas. Uh, there you go. Not yeah. now, you're having a period. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, <laughs> just finished uh, two tables today. Actually, so oh, you're still doing the table I'm dabbling stuff. Dabbling tables, but back to a smaller size. Um, and my daughter tells me a little bit about what to do, but she's so busy these I, days. She's she's not out there quite as much. I've seen these Facebook videos of these epoxy. Ta have you seen these? Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they some of there's millions and millions of views where they do like a kind of a stop mo or what's it called? Uh, uh, the long long they they oh my gosh, what's the word for that video when they do a long they take a video and they yeah they do the really, time lapse uh, time lapse. So yeah. that some of these tables are like so Ala really incredible. Alaska Resin Creations, well, Instagram site. So you can see the table that I just finished. Alaska Resin Creations. Creations. Yeah. Okay, now if I want a table, I just reach out to you or? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, don't ask, don't ask me about the table. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll talk later. How's that? Okay. All right. Okay. Well, it's been great. It's been great chatting with you. And, um, you know, I, I told you I did a podcast with Joe um, Marushak. Awesome. Awesome. Last year from Conoco. Awesome so guy. Now, Good. Now I got you and I got, a, I got the Exxon the people. They're, 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 they don't really do radio media they too don't. much. Yeah, uh-huh. I've asked. <laughs> I'll ask Darlene. How's that? Ask Jeff? her. Yeah. Okay. Be... I'll ask. And you got to get Bill Armstrong. That would be awesome. I, you know what? I know somebody who's friends with him and I hear some, I just hear the great, like great stories about mm-hmm. him. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it's been great. I'm glad you're staying in Alaska. And, uh, and I guess, well, you know, the election's happening now. The absentees are out. People are already returning them. And uh, the yeah. election's in, I guess this is, you know, it's 15th. So we got a few weeks and we'll see what happens. I guess my last question is, if this thing does pass, what, what, are, what, are, we, what, are, you, what are you project or what are, what are your thoughts about the next five years? Because if it does, the legislature can't really tweak it for two years. My, for my, a couple of years, that's right. And at these kind of prices, the... If it does pass, um, the state will get a, an additional $265 million or so to spend, not the billion, because we're at much lower prices. Uh-huh. It's going to be much harder for investment in some of these projects to go forward. So I think you'll see more uh, job losses and small businesses and industry support businesses closing. But you'll see uh, uh, that additional $265 million for the state um, to, to, to spend. But bottom line, if I could just kind of short-term, long-term, from Prudhoe Bay alone, Prudhoe Bay alone, if you invest in that additional billion barrels I was talking about, there's $24 billion in state take out there. But if only you, you only get that $1 billion barrel out there where you don't invest in Prudhoe Bay, there's $16 billion with ballot measure one in place. Yeah, it's like the there. Short, short-term, long-term. It's a yeah. short-term, long-term thing. It's a short-term, long-term thing. And for me, the bigger the, the take for Alaska with royalty barrels, the smart fair share is the bigger pie. It's the $24 well, billion. Long time ago, a friend of mine, very, very smart person, business guy, he said, he said never forget, uh, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Janet, it's been great talking to you. I really enjoyed it. Um, you had a lot of time on your hands. If you want to do another one, you know, let, <laughs> let, 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 let me know. I really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, it's been fun. Thank you, okay, Jeff. Thanks so much t- for, for coming in. Uh, folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.